Yes or no to this statement. The U.N. should admit Palestine as a full member state. It is a statement that divides us, but it's one that is worthy of fair and open debate, and that's what this is, another debate from Intelligence Squared U.S. I'm John Donvan. Welcome. We have two teams, four superbly qualified debaters, all of whom have lived at the heart of this argument, and it is an argument that, let's face it, in our lifetime has seemed to be rather permanent, the way that the Berlin Wall once seemed permanent but turned out not to be, or apartheid in South Africa seemed permanent but turned out not to be. But Israel and Palestine, this is the one that seems never to end. And why is that? Well, nothing helps expose the fault lines like a good debate and debaters who are trying to make you understand their point of view and maybe get you to see something the way that you have never seen it before. Our motion is the UN should admit Palestine as a full member state. And to meet our debaters, Mustafa Barghouti, you are a Palestinian, a former presidential candidate in the Palestinian Authority. You are a Nobel Peace Prize nominee because you lead a party that is adamantly devoted to peaceful resistance to the Israeli occupation. And just very briefly, before we get started, what do you think is the point in this debate that your opponents don't understand yet that you want to make them understand? I think the point is that uh, admitting Palestine to the UN as a full member is in the best interest not only of the Palestinian people, but also of Israeli people. Thank you, Mustafa. Your teammate, who is also arguing for admission, Daniel Levy, it's going to surprise some people that Daniel Levy arguing on this side is actually a citizen of the state of Israel. You were also a negotiator on the Israeli side in negotiations with Palestinians. And, and Daniel, from your point of view, again, knowing that many of your uh, fellow Israelis would oppose this admission. What do you want the doubters to hear tonight? Well, doubt is okay. Skepticism is healthy. Uh, but we can't pretend the Palestinians away and time isn't healing this. So not acting to facilitate a Palestinian state is just a dereliction of responsibility to ourselves and to future generations. Our, our motion is this. The UN should admit Palestine as a full member state. And arguing against the motion, Dory Gold, you were uh, at the United Nations as Israel's representative. You have been around the block on this one for years and years and years. And my question to you is, what do you think the audience needs to hear tonight that they've never considered before? The position I'm taking has nothing to do with recognition of the Palestinians. It has nothing to do with national dignity, which every people is entitled to. It has everything to do with undertaking an act which will create chaos precisely at a time when the Middle East is more dangerous than ever. Thank you very much. And your partner is Aaron David Miller. Aaron, you are a former U.S. Mideast negotiator, a public policy scholar at the Woodrow Wilson International Center for Scholars. And you also have been involved in this, in the negotiating table, as an American and as the American at the table for 20 years. And, and what do you want your audience to key in on tonight? All of us. Uh, no more illusions is my trope. Uh, U.N. admission in the absence of an agreement between Israelis and Palestinians will not take the Palestinians any closer to the full sovereign state that they deserve. Thank you, Aaron David Miller. So we've heard from all of our debaters. We've met them all. Our motion is the U.N. should admit Palestine as a full member state. And here to argue first for the motion, the U.N. should admit Palestine as a full member state, former Israeli government negotiator, senior fellow at the New America Foundation, where he is co-director of the Middle East uh, Task Force, Daniel Levy. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, on October the 10th, 1971, the United Nations admitted the People's Republic of China as a member 
and kicked out Taiwan. If that were the kind of motion we were debating tonight, I would not be standing here arguing in favor. What we are proposing is to admit Palestine at the UN not instead of Israel, but alongside Israel. We have not convened here to discuss matters of legal principle. Does Palestine meet the criteria of Montevideo for statehood? Law matters, but this is primarily a political, not a legal question. And it's not about the United Nations and whether it is a force for good or a frustrating institution. It can be both. But the assumption of this debate is the two-state paradigm. We do not have anyone here advocating a greater Jewish Israel or a binational democratic state. Nevertheless, it would be hubris to take two states for granted. And we need to recognize certain realities. The territorial viability of a second state in this area looks increasingly precarious. Approximately 600,000 Israelis, one in 10 Israeli Jews live beyond the green line. Settlements grow, outposts are legalized. And it's not just a physical manifestation of blurring. It is also the conceptual universe in which a growing number of Israelis live. Prime Minister Netanyahu may have talked the talk on two states, but he has not walked the walk. His only could party platform opposes two states. And one must take seriously the Jewish-Israeli narrative that says 100 years ago we had nothing. Then we got Balfour. Then we got the 47 partition. Then we got 78% of the land. Then in 1967 we got 100% of the land and we're not going anywhere. Passivity cannot be the response. If we want two states, we have to act. And UN admission for Palestine is precisely the anchor for a two-state future, a clarifying moment. We need to be deeply respectful of the choices that Israelis are going to have to make, difficult choices, and therefore to understand just how unproductive the lack of clarity is for that Israeli conversation. Indulging bad behavior, treating that with impunity, is unhelpful in any human predicament. And we encourage the most self-destructive tendencies in Israeli behavior when we pretend that by doing nothing, allowing this slippage away from two states, somehow we're making it easier for Israeli society to change course. We are not. The cost-benefit calculation of Israelis needs to look different. Do we really think that Israel is waiting to leave the territories, just waiting, and the Palestinians just need to ask politely enough and behave well enough, and that's the key to unlock this? Let's acknowledge that it's not going to be easy, but the current policies aren't helping. We can't expect the Palestinians to wait forever, and we can't say to them that you can neither have self-determination and express it at the UN, but nor can you accept the one-state reality and argue for equal rights in one state. Suggesting the Palestinians can do neither is unrealistic, but it's also immoral. UN membership is not a silver bullet. It's not a panacea. It's not sprinkling pixie dust on the harsh realities of the Middle East, but it is an important and legitimate part of a strategy to signal a different future. I urge you to support this motion, to support the principle of Palestine alongside Israel at the UN. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel Levy.
Our motion is the U.N. should admit Palestine as a full member state. And here to speak against the motion, Aaron David Miller. Over two decades, he advised six secretaries of state shaping U.S. policy on the Middle East and the Arab-Israeli peace process. He is a public fellow at the Woodrow Wilson Center. John, thank you very much, and thank all of you for coming. Daniel, I've known you for many years. I admire your passion and your intellect. You're a powerful advocate of Israeli-Palestinian peace, of logic and common sense. All of this, however, does not address the fundamental problem. It's a conundrum, Daniel. Daniel, we're dealing with a conundrum. We are stuck. Violence will never produce sovereignty for Palestinians, but neither will negotiations right now. So the question is what to do. What you're suggesting, in my judgment, is that we take an action that is not simply neutral, that will retard and undermine the very concept as dubious as you may believe it is, it is simply no justification for proceeding in the face of common sense logic toward an alternative that ultimately will not bring Palestinians closer to meaningful sovereignty. I speak here not in Israeli to you and not as a Palestinian. I speak with all of its imperfections and contradictions as an American absorbed in this process for many years. 25 years. And the situation, you're quite correct, Daniel, will be worse. It will get worse before it gets worse. But the question still has to be addressed. How will granting the putative state of Palestine admission as a full member state into the UN address any of this? Now, I'm here to argue in six basic points of why I believe this is a bad idea. And by the way, I would concede, particularly to you, Daniel, that I know bad ideas <laughs> when I see them. But not tonight. I have no illusions tonight. First, as an American whose country sits on the Security Council, I cannot in all good conscience recommend the admission of a putative state, however morally or ethically compelling it may be, as a full member state. Prime Minister Salam Fayyad, the man who has done more to build institutions of Palestinian statehood on the ground is against this proposition because he knows it will undermine the work that he has done. Palestine has no borders. It has no control over its population. It has no monopoly over the forces of violence within its own society. In short, it does not control the guns, all of the guns, in its society. I would argue that's critically important for statehood. Second, as an American, I'd oppose this because I believe it's not symbolic. It's a prescription and an Rx, if you will, for instability and perhaps even escalation. Think about it. We are admitting the Palestinian Authority that presumes to control Palestine into the UN when, in fact, two other entities, one, the State of Israel, an ally of the United States, and a second factor and force, Hamas, an entity, which is an adversary of the United States, has more control over what transpires in Palestine, this putative state, than the Palestinian Authority. That is a prescription for endless contradictions and perhaps even violence. Which brings me to my third point. There will be an Israeli reaction. And who is going to control that reaction? The United States? The international community? As Israel sets, seeks perhaps to set its own boundaries? To basically say to the Palestinians, fine, you have now set your boundary. June 4, 67 is the basis of a negotiation if we ever return to the table. But we're going to set ours now as well. We will set our boundary. And we will be dragged 
sooner, sooner rather than later away from the prospect of any kind of solution. Fourth, if the Palestinians want to pick a fight with the Americans, that's their business. But I would argue it's counterproductive. Thank you, Aaron David Miller. Time's up. Thank you. I'm John Donvan, and you're listening to Intelligence Squared U.S., Oxford-style debating on America's shores. Stay with us. A reminder of what's going on. We are halfway through the opening statements in this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. I'm John Donvan. We have four debaters, two teams of two, finding it out over this motion. The U.N. should admit Palestine as a full member state. You have heard the first two opening statements and now on to the third to debate in support of this motion that the U.N. should admit Palestine as a full member state. Palestinian democracy activist, Secretary General of the Palestinian National Initiative and Nobel Peace Prize nominee Mustafa Barghouti. I have four reasons that I would like to emphasize why Palestine should be admitted to the U.N. The first is that time is not an infinite commodity. We're losing time. And with the continuation of Israeli settlements on the ground, which are illegal, and after 20 years of failed negotiations, we cannot have the risk of losing the two-state solution. If Palestine is not accepted as a state very soon, there will be no two-state solution. And the outcome will be dangerous and bad for everybody. What Mr. Miller has suggested and what probably Mr. Gold will suggest is to continue the same path of failure, the same negotiations that failed to produce anything. What they are proposing is to continue what Einstein described as insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expect different results. Third... Continuing negotiations while settlements continue to grow is like having two sides negotiating over a piece of cheese. One side, the Palestinian side, is stuck behind bars. The Israeli side having access to the piece of cheese and eating it while negotiating. At the end of the day, we'll find nothing to negotiate about. And that is not a solution. We have one of three options. Either Palestinians would surrender to injustice. In this case, what you will witness is the consolidation of a system of apartheid where Palestinians are discriminated against and Israel would become the worst apartheid system in the 21st century, something that nobody could be proud about. Or the second option is violence, which we reject. The third option is to have nonviolent peaceful resistance, exactly like Gandhi did in India and like Martin Luther King did here in the United States, and that's the course we are taking. And that's why going to the UN is nothing but another act of diplomatic resistance within the context of popular nonviolent resistance to change parameters and to change the balance of power so that we can have productive negotiations and have a result at the end of the road. My third point is that supporting our right to be admitted to the United Nations will be sending the right message the message of respect to human rights, the message of respect of the right of people to be sovereign. My last point is that we know that admitting Palestine to the United Nations will not immediately create a change on the ground, but it will achieve three goals. First, it will give us hope. Hope is what we need today 
to sustain nonviolent approach to our resistance and struggle. Second, accepting Palestine will actually uh, invalidate all the de facto actions on the ground that are made by Israel by creating settlements. And third, it will send a message to the Israelis that they will not be really free unless Palestinians are also free. And that's why what we want is to liberate ourselves from oppression, the longest occupation in modern history, and the worst apartheid system, and to liberate the Israelis from fear, from the security phobia. One time, a Palestinian leader came to the United Nations with a gun and an olive branch. Today, we are coming to the United Nations with two olive branches. Don't let us drop them. Thank you. Thank you, Mustafa Barghouti. Our motion is the U.N. should admit Palestine as a full member state. Our final debater is going to speak against the motion. He's Dory Gold, world-renowned expert on Middle Eastern affairs. He's former prime minister of Israel's foreign policy advisor and former ambassador to the United Nations. Dory Gold. When I served as Israel's ambassador to the United Nations back in the late 1990s, I had a colleague, a counterpart, who was the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations. He became a very close friend and someone I intellectually admired. His name, unfortunately he's passed away, was Richard Holbrook. And one of the things I was struck by, I, before I was sent to the U.N., I was an Israeli negotiator. I was sent to the sand dunes of Gaza where Mohammed Dahlan would pick me up in that extended Mercedes and take me to Arafat's house. And we would discuss how to move forward in peace. And by the way, those discussions were tough. Because when you're in a meeting like that, you don't know where to park your head. Should you remember the Israelis who died in repeated suicide terrorist attacks that came out of territory under Arafat's jurisdiction? I know that's tough to mention, but you've got to know that. Do you think of those people? Do you think about building a future? Do you forget about the tragedies of the past so you'll have hope? It's very, very tough. But I had that experience, and what I had seen in the 90s is we didn't succeed. We didn't succeed diplomatically. We reached agreements. And by the way, the man that um, some spokesmen like to uh, try and put in the corner, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, signed two agreements with the Palestinians, withdrew from territory, risked his whole political base because he wanted to move the process forward. So I saw that we had a tough time moving forward. And after I left government in 1999 and Prime Minister Ehud Barak came to office, and Barak went to Camp David, with Yasser Arafat. Peace wasn't concluded. But I asked myself through my contacts with Holbrook, how was it that Richard Holbrook delivered the greatest political diplomatic achievement of the Clinton administration, the Dayton Accords over Bosnia, while we didn't succeed in the Middle East? The battle between Croats, Bosnian Muslims, the Serbs, was religious, ethnic, territorial. It had all the ingredients that we had, but they persisted. They persisted to negotiate. I, I discerned from my discussions with Holbrook and from reading his memoirs on that conflict that there were three elements. He concluded that there must be a negotiated outcome. The second thing that comes from my experience with talking to him, and it's also in his memoirs, is that peacemaking must come from the parties themselves. The great breakthroughs at Dayton came from those three warring parties. They were brought to Ohio. It's true. Secretary of State was in and out. President Clinton was ready to come in.
but they themselves were responsible for reaching peace, and an imperfect peace. And finally, you need diplomatic flexibility. You have got to make a compromise. You've got to cut a deal. You can't walk away. Now let me move to the issue at hand between us. What is my problem with the proposal that a Palestinian state be recognized as a UN member state? My question is really twofold. First of all, carefully listening to the speech of um, Mahmoud Abbas on September 23rd at the uh, UN General Assembly, he wasn't just saying, accept us in principle. He was laying out borders. And uh, I think Aaron made the reference to it, the June 4th, 1967 line. As though there was some kind of pre-67 boundary, border, that was an international line that we have to agree to. So we're talking about predetermining the final boundaries by moving to the UN. Dory Gold, I'm sorry your time is up. You can bring some of that in later on. So our motion is the UN should admit Palestine as a full member state. Keep in mind how you voted at the beginning of the evening because we're going to ask you to vote again at the end of the evening. And the team that has changed the most of your views on this on this motion will be declared our winner. So now on to round two, and this is where the debaters address one another directly and answer questions from you in the audience and from me. We have two teams of two. We have Mustafa Barghouti and Daniel Levy, who have been arguing that the UN should admit Palestine as a full member state uh, for several reasons, including the fact that it introduces hope to the Palestinian people and that hope militates against violence. Also, that in a peace process that is going nowhere, that is stuck, it lays down a marker that the Israelis cannot ignore. The team arguing against the motion, they include Dory Gold and Aaron David Miller, are arguing against this motion on the grounds, number one, that what exists now in the territory controlled by the Palestinian Authority doesn't really meet the qualifications of a state, that it can't control its borders, it can't control its guns. And they're also arguing that it is too soon to give up on negotiation itself. So we're going to take questions from you, but first, for me, I want to put a question to the side arguing against the motion. And I think, Dory, this may have been where you were heading. I want to understand why, why admission of Palestine to the UN necessarily precludes the continuation of negotiations. Why can't there be this admission to the UN and yet negotiations continue and ultimately a solution reached? I mentioned that point already which is, of course, that these are issues that have to be negotiated. You know, for example, one of the hard choices that Mahmoud Abbas has to face is announcing it's the end of the conflict by going to the UN, getting a Palestinian state. He doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to come to terms with the question that we keep raising. We're being asked, recognize the rights of the Palestinians to an independent state. But we're asking the Palestinians to recognize the rights of the Jewish people to a nation state of their own. That has to be in the package. But, but, but in fact, they're... they're but, but how are you recognizing the Palestinian state when you refuse to go back to 67 borders? Because the borders have nothing to do with the existence of a state. The, so the, the state will be, be up in the air on no borders? No, we have to work out the borders. We have real problems. You know, everyone said, oh, just get out of the Gaza Strip unilaterally in 2005. 
you won't have a full peace agreement because we didn't negotiate, we'll get out unilaterally, and the situation will stabilize. Sorry, no one said that. That was the initiative of the Israeli Prime Minister. Daniel Levy. Gaza is 6% of the land mass of the remaining 22% of mandatory Palestine that we're talking about in a two-state solution. No one was saying, end the occupation in 6%, maintain and entrench the occupation in 94%, and see how that goes. Wouldn't you expect, Dory Gold, wouldn't you expect that if you get out of a given territory, that the level of violence from that territory would decline. Maybe it would go up elsewhere. Dory, I, let me no, let me come. I, wait, point wait, a raised, Dory, uh, let, let me wait, wait a minute. Excuse me. Excuse me. Dory, I, have a right of I, I don't feel that you answered my question. Okay. Although although you said that you had addressed it, my question is: you you just talked about what's left to be negotiated. Let's take borders for an example. Why not do this political gesture at the UN for the Palestinians? Why would that? preclude then having discussions on the borders afterwards. In other words, you, you were saying this stops everything, and I'm trying to understand why this would stop any, everything, and these negotiations could not continue on those points afterwards. Well, what if the very resolution itself states that the borders will be the June 4th lines? Is the Palestinian side willing to rec- relinquish that phraseology from a Security Council resolution? Mustafa Barghouti. I think there are four issues for negotiations. There is settlements, there is the borders, there is the issue of refugees, there is the issue of Jerusalem. Nobody said that admitting us to the UN will mean that we will not negotiate about all these issues. Okay, that's the point I'm trying to come back to. And Dory, I'm trying to understand why you say that can't happen. It's very dangerous to say we admit, we accept Palestinians that they should have a state, but we don't agree with 67 borders, because what that means is that you you want us to have a Bantustan like was in South Africa. There were also Pantustans in South Africa with kings, not only presidents. But that did not mean that people were free. They were subjected to discrimination and apartheid system. Let me bring in in Eric David Miller. We're getting away from some very basic issues here. Admission to the UN and recognition would conflate with acknowledgement of sovereignty. Legally, that may not be the case, but that is the way it would be read. That is the way a Palestinian authority would interpret it. And presumably, that is the way the international community might interpret it as well. Second, you have a divided Palestinian polity. And let's not forget this point, because it's fundamental to the entire argument. You're not dealing here with a negotiation which consists of one gun, one authority, and one negotiating position. The notion that you would admit, as a member state, a divided Palestinian polity, half of which has not even signed up to the conditions that are essentially basic to a negotiation. Okay. Let me bring is, this to Daniel. Criti- he's, he's made two very strong pragmatic that, that, arguments. That, Daniel Levy. That's what we will show. Please go ahead. Daniel Levy. Aaron, Aaron, given that you've told us that it has to get worse before it gets worse, I'm not sure, and this isn't easy because this is probably obvious to everyone in this room, uh, me and Aaron aren't exactly hostile when it comes to one another. There's there's deep mutual appreciation, and I greatly respect the service that Dory Gold has given to the State of Israel. I want to address the the, the two points you put out there. First of all, what what we've tried to make the point of is that if you want a two-state solution, you have to do something about it, and you have to begin to anchor it, and you have to send signals. No one is expecting that the morning after admission of Palestine to the UN... Palestine actually realizes its sovereignty. Your second point, the divided Palestinian authority. First of all, Aaron, 
you didn't get it exactly right in your description of who takes, who assumes that Palestinian seat at the UN. It's not the Palestinian Authority, it's the PLO, and that has been clarified and made clear. And I would look at this as how do we use this opportunity? How does this become an entry point to problem solving rather than rejecting it as another non-starter? I I, I want to finish the point. My entry point for this as a problem solver is I would turn around and say, Palestine, you're in the UN, you sign the UN Charter, read the words of the UN Charter. Hamas, you want reconciliation, you have to be signing up to the UN Charter as well. I would make this part of the encouragement of internal Palestinian unity and see the opportunity, not always the threat. Story Gold. Daniel Levy mentions the UN Charter, and you know, one of the most important points in this discussion to keep in mind is, sorry to be legal, but Article 4 of the Charter, which says membership in the United Nations is open to all other peace-loving states which accept the obligations contained in the present Charter. Peace-loving states. Why is that important? Uh, Mustafa Barghouti has invoked the names of um, Martin Luther King. I don't know if he said Gandhi. But uh, I said Gandhi and Mandela. And Mandela. <laughs> Men who were against violence. If only Me the too, Palestinian political the culture had adopted those positions. But frankly, frankly, just now on December 22nd in a meeting in Cairo, and I'm not sure whether you were there or not. I was. Yes, okay. I don't want to get it personal, but. There was a meeting of the Palestinian leadership that included Khalid Mashal, the head of Hamas. It included the heads of Islamic Jihad. These are organizations that call for the obliteration of the state of Israel. So how do you square the circle of invoking to an American audience names like Martin Luther King and then going to an event in Cairo with the leaders of Islamic Jihad, which is a wing of the Pazdaran of Iran, of sitting with the Hamas leadership, while they, after your meeting with them, are quoted in El Hayat and the Arabic press, still calling for armed struggle against the state of Israel. Mustafa well, you know, Dori, I want to ask you about the policy of Israel. Israel is the third largest military exporter in the world. Exporter? Isra- yes. Israel is now has, you know, hundreds of nuclear heads. So when you speak about peace and you speak about nonviolence, you might as well think of how Israel itself should stop using violence. Now, there's a good point that I would like to hear the answer to, and I think the audience as well. If, in fact, it's very simple. If Hamas is part of the state and the UN is an organization devoted to peace, can you please just bring those, reconcile those two things? It's a a pretty obvious question. There are two major important developments that have happened thanks to our work, thanks to to our advocacy of nonviolence, which is that I know there are several statements and you could pick up the bad ones, but the official position now of Hamas is to accept nonviolence. This is a big achievement and you should be happy about it. If people change positively, you should not get angry. Also, they are accepting 67 borders. When you speak about the Palestinian Authority being incapable of controlling the security, of course, because it's under occupation. We are the first people in the human history who are asked to provide protection to their occupiers without being able to defend themselves from the occupiers. That makes no sense. 
I'm John Donvan, and you're listening to Intelligence Squared U.S., Oxford-style debating on America's shores. Stay with us. All right, we are in the question and answer section of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. I'm John Donvan, your moderator. We have four debaters, two teams of two, arguing out this motion, the U.N. should admit Palestine as a full member state. And on to another question. Um, very center, dark sweater, yep. Hi, thank you. Um, I want to address this to Daniel Levy. The point that Mr. Miller made about how can they control the guns, you're saying that the PLO will be the one to take the seat at the U.N. Council. How will then they control the guns if there's division within the Palestinian people? You mean how do they control the guns in Gaza? Right. Daniel Levy. Yeah, I, I mean, as, as I've said, there are, I think there are two ways of coming at this. First of all, call me curmudgeonly pessimist, but I don't think the morning after Palestine's admitted to the UN, Israel is going to say, ah, oh, game's up, we're withdrawing to the 67 lines now. So in practical terms, you know, I, I believe that this is about what signals do we send. What I do think is you should be encouraging realistic terms for Palestinian reconciliation, for one authority with one gun, and I think part of the blend of how you do that could be using the very admission of Palestine to the UN, the very signing of that UN charter to hold Hamas to a certain standard on violence. Personally, I think the three-quartet conditions were not a good idea. The violence one was. Dory Gold, do you think that's what would happen? Unfortunately, Hamas, and this is hard for us to understand this in the West, is a rigidly ideological organization. You know, in 2006, Hamas won the Palestinian elections, not just in Gaza Strip, but also in the West Bank. And Mahmoud Azhar, who would become the Hamas foreign minister, was asked by a Western correspondent, are you willing to change the Hamas charter from 1988? Which, by the way, does not call just for the destruction of Israel. It calls for the murder of Jews. It's a genocidal document. And I have to use that language because that's what it is. And you know what Azahar responded in 2006? Not a single word. Hamas from 2006 until our conflict with them in 2008, 2009 didn't okay. move. And so your, still answer, your answer is no, that wouldn't Unfortunately, happen. Unfortunately, that I, no, no, seems not, to be the I, case. I just, your, your, your partner wants to bring yeah, in a point Dan, to the Daniel's response Aaron to David this Miller. question to me is an indication of the fundamental problem. Your, your response to this young woman is simply not rigorously thought through. You're assuming that we can go on. create... Help, no, help me with no, my lack I, of rigorous no, that thinking. That is not my, I'm out of that business. I'm not here to help you think no, it no, creatively. But, you, know, but you are there. defending a proposition that will, in effect, set into motion a set of consequences over which you will have absolutely no control. This is the fundamental problem. Just because negotiations are stuck, and I, I am the first person to acknowledge just how stuck they really are, doesn't mean that in an effort to maintain hope, to diffuse desperation, and to accommodate some measure of urgency, we need to pursue an idea that I would argue to you, and you've, in my judgment, failed to demonstrate where the real upsides are. The downsides are very, very real. In July of 2000, we decided to recommend to Bill Clinton to go to Camp David to try to create a conflict-ending solution between Israelis and Palestinians. Do you realize that a dozen years after that summit, we are still paying 
for the lack of wisdom and the recklessness of that decision. Israelis and Palestinians have not yet recovered from the trauma of those 10 years because we believed in an effort to do something. This notion okay. is, is reckless and it's not Daniel, well thought Daniel through. Daniel Levy, to respond Sorry, briefly to with that. All due respect, with all due respect, Aaron, to American omnipotence, I think we can allow Israelis and Palestinians just a little bit of agency for what's they happened. They can have all the agency just for what's that happened they want, in the last but... dozen years. And I'm sorry, Aaron, what you have failed to demonstrate is what is the negative impact of having two states at the UN. What you failed to... What have you said? Because you... you said... No, sorry. You have, said, you have said that it might lead to more settlements. You know what? If the Israeli goal is to make this territory indivisible, let's start dealing with that reality. I don't want to go there. Daniel? You've said it would undermine negotiations. Negotiations have gone nowhere. You're the one who wrote that it was America acting as Israel's lawyer that undermined that very Camp David effort that you just reminded us about. So come on. Give us a constructive proposal to move forward because we've explained why this helps and you haven't explained why it doesn't. On the aisle here, could you stand, please? Thank you. Quick yes or no question for Daniel Levy. Is it fair for the Israelis and the international community to expect that in return for what you support, a membership in the UN, that Hamas will say publicly and clearly and consistently that they disavow violence in an armed struggle against Israel? Yes or no? Daniel Levy. Do you want to, you want to concede to Mustafa on that, or do you want to take it? Or Look, share? I, I do not think that the Palestinian right to self-determination and therefore, by extension, Palestinian membership at the UN should be contingent on that. What I do think, and I made clear here tonight, I do not think that. I, I don't think that Israel's right to self-determination should be contingent on certain things that I believe Israel should stop doing, OK? What I, do think, what I do think is we should use this vis-à-vis -vis Hamas. And I want to make another point here. I, I don't know if people have noticed, there's something going on in the Middle East. The Muslim Brotherhood, political Islam, of which Hamas is a part, is kind of popular when people get the chance to vote democratically. This is a reality we have to deal with. Now, we can bury our heads in the sand and say there's a charter and you have to stand up and publicly disavow X, Y, or Z, or we can work day in, day out to try and create a new reality that Hamas relates to, to try and create a new reality that the Muslim Brotherhood relates to, to work with this new reality in the Middle East. And the more Israel buries its head in the sand and says, you have to tick boxes X, Y, and Z before we do anything, the worst we are going to make our predicament. All right, it's Aaron not, David Miller. It's, look, in a negotiation, at least in this negotiation, even if you were admitted as a member state, the logic of your analysis just isn't good enough. You're going to need a monopoly over the organized forces of violence in your society, even to induce the Israelis, or even by extension, the Americans. But isn't that what to, you praise to, in to the help, West Bank today? To help today? broker a solution. Aren't the you praising the, peop the government Mustafa, in the West Bank for having done that can in I the finish? West Bank? On, on the four core issues that drive the conflict. You will need one gun, one authority, and one negotiating position. Isn't that the case you today? Don't, but Wait. you don't have that, and the presumption is that you should be admitted into the United Nations as a full member state Wait, without but it. But he's saying that, they do, that you do have it. In the West Bank, but and you, he's praising but, it. He's praising you, Mr. Fayyad. Right, Mr. Respond to this Mr. point. He's saying that, in fact, that, that control does Isn't exist in the, the West Bank. Isn't that the case today in the West Bank? Sadly, as a consequence of the Oslo process, the, the area that you do control... You've actually done, as a consequence of intimate security cooperation with the Israelis and assisted by the United States and the Jordanians, 
quite a lot, yes. So why are you unhappy building, if this and is you're building And you're building the institutions of statehood, but it's a far cry to assume that your national movement right now is unified and cohesive enough to warrant what it is you seek. But you are suggesting that we fact, should give... Fact, but you haven't course, demonstrated have, why it should. Why Gentlemen in, fact, in the white shirt. But you are, what you are suggesting, Mr. Miller, is that we give Israel the time to finish the settlement project. I'm not suggesting That's that what at you're all. Saying. Mr. Barghouti, um, you've, you've premised a lot of your argument on um, uh, claims about the balance of power between Israel and the Palestinians. The last negotiation, in my mind, is one in which the Israelis traded one soldier for hundreds of Palestinian terrorists. Thousands, excuse me. And I'm wondering, uh, given the willingness uh, on one side, on behalf of one side of the debate, um, namely the Palestinians, to uh, send in uh, young boys and girls to kill themselves, um, how can you argue that the piece of cheese is entirely um, on the side of Israel and that the Palestinians are left with nothing to do? It seems like the willingness to commit suicide leaves them with a lot to do and transforms radically this balance of power, which you're arguing is completely shifted uh, to the side of the Israelis. Mustafa Kabargutina. You are a young man, uh, and I admire young people. You should look into the reality today, not keep talking about the past. What you are describing, what you are describing some, is something that is long time disappeared. You're asking why uh, Israel exchanged one prisoner for 1,000 Palestinian prisoners? Because Palestinians had only one prisoner. <laughs> and by the way, by the way, by the way, there are still 5,000 Palestinian prisoners in Israeli jail. Do you know how it feels? Do you know how it feels? What, what is strange to me is why when Oslo agreement was signed, not all the Palestinian prisoners were released. Why did it take Hamas to capture an Israeli soldier so that Fakhri and Nael Barghouti, who spent 33 years in jail, had to be released? Why couldn't they be released? because of the peace agreement. All right, thank you. And that concludes round two of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. And here's where we are. We are about to hear brief closing statements from each debater in turn. And after those statements, we will ask you to vote on this debate and choose a winner. Our motion is the U.N. should admit Palestine as a full member state. And here to summarize his position against this motion, Aaron David Miller, a former U.S. Mideast peace negotiator, advisor to six secretaries of state, author of a book coming out in September of 2012 called Can America Have Another Great President? Aaron David John, Miller. Thank you very much. I realize that, in, that perhaps one of the most astute things that I've done, one of the best decisions I've made, was to leave the Arab-Israeli negotiating process. Uh, and I say that with tremendous respect and affection for everybody on this panel. If, if the goal is achieving statehood, then it seems to me that UN admission simply doesn't make much sense. You alienate the two countries that Palestinians will need, Israel and the United States, to produce meaningful and legitimate Palestinian sovereignty. And you're putting your hope in an international community that has never, ever abandoned you, actually, but isn't capable of delivering your sovereignty. Given, in my judgment, the risks of admission and the uncertainties that will certainly follow, other than hope, which is extremely important, and diffusing a, a measure of desperation, even more important, you haven't demonstrated how, in effect, UN membership will bring 
Mustafa Barghouti and his people any closer to negotiating Jerusalem border security refugees and to meaningful statehood. My good friend Daniel Levy wrote, the PLO has a bad case of strategic combobulation and that the UN-Palestinian effort was a, a damp squib. Aaron, I have damp to cut squib. you off. Uh, one if, more sentence, please. If Daniel Levy doesn't believe it, which I don't think he does, no many, then no, why no, should sub, we... No subordinate clauses. Then why should we believe it? <laughs> then why should thank, we believe Thank it? you, Aaron David Miller. Our motion is the U.N. should admit Palestine as a full member state. And here to summarize his position in support of this motion, Daniel Levy, former Israeli peace negotiator and senior fellow at the New America Foundation. I think the Palestinians should pursue this in a different way, and it's going to take time, but there's a strategy for getting this. We've spoken a lot here about Hamas, but I think the way you further empower Hamas and discourage change in Hamas is to close all non-violent diplomatic options in the face of the Palestinians. Here's what the Israeli Minister of Defense, Ehud Barak, said February 2010. The simple truth, if there is one state, including Israel, West Bank, and Gaza, it's either binational or undemocratic. That will be an apartheid state. That's the tragedy that we want to prevent. And you know what? Our toolbox is an impoverished one because we have tried so much already. But sticking exclusively with negotiations really must be the dumbest idea. Let's use the international tools of diplomacy that are at our disposal to make a statement. And the UN needs to send a signal to Israelis and Palestinians that it's going to be a two-state solution. Otherwise, the next debate will be about equal rights in one indivisible territorial unit. I'm not against equal rights and democracy, but I want an Israel. An Israel that's different, that changes, but I want an Israel, and I'm sure Mustafa wants a Palestine. And we should have both of those Thank as you. member states of the UN. Daniel Levy, your time is up. Thank you. Our motion is the UN should admit Palestine as a full member state. And here to summarize his position against the motion, Dory Gold, former Israeli ambassador to the UN and former advisor to Prime Minister Netanyahu. This is a very important issue. And I am sorry that at certain points in this discussion we got heated. But the stakes are not just winning a debate in this very nice auditorium in uh, NYU. This is about issues that relate to our very existence. I started, before I was cut off earlier on, telling you, telling you, that when we withdrew from the Gaza Strip in 2005, we had great hopes that we were removing a cause, an irritant, and therefore, Prime Minister Sharon, who I knew very well, decided to take that risk and pulled out unilaterally. And instead of rocket fire dropping as a result, it increased between 2005 and 2006 by 500 percent. The state of Israel is obligated to make sure that whatever arrangement we make on the West Bank doesn't replicate the conditions in the Gaza Strip. Mahmoud Abbas has decided on a course of action that he actually began at the end of the Olmert government. It's a course of unilateralism. And with this unilateralism is an effort to get recognized as a Palestinian state with UN membership without having to address the security of Israel, without having to recognize my people's right to a nation state, even though I'm being asked to recognize his people's right to a nation state. And therefore, I suggest to you, particularly in light of the fact that we're seeing an effort to sell you an unreformed Hamas, an unreformed Islamic Jihad as part of the Palestinian political community, to reject the notion that the Palestinians should be accepted as a member state until they change. Thank you, Dari Gold.
Our motion is the U.N. should admit Palestine as a full member state. And here to summarize his position in support of this motion, Mustafa Barghouti, member of the Palestinian Parliament and leader of the Palestinian National Initiative. Thank you. Everything that Mr. Miller and Gold have suggested today is nothing but wasting time and losing time. And I am telling them, you can maybe afford to lose time because you haven't lived for 44 years under occupation. And you haven't been humiliated every day by occupying forces. I cannot afford to lose time because this is about my life, about my daughter's life, and it's about the lives of the Palestinians and Israelis. And the Israelis themselves cannot afford it. And this needs to end. What the Israelis want is also security. But that also cannot be available as long as Palestinians are insulted and humiliated. What we are trying to say is to bring light in the end of the tunnel. When you vote today, don't take away hope. And let me remind you here with what Plato said. He said we can easily forgive children for being afraid of dark. The tragedy is when grown people are afraid of light. Thank you, Mustafa Barghouti, very much. And that concludes our closing statements. And now it's time to learn which side this audience feels has argued best. Okay, I've got them. I've just been given the results. Remember now, we had you vote twice. You've heard this debate, this argument, the arguments for and against this motion. The UN should admit Palestine as a full member state. We asked you to vote before and again afterwards. The vote afterwards telling us which side you feel presented the better argument. Before the debate, 34% were in support of the motion that the UN should admit Palestine as a full member state. 30% were against and 33% were undecided. After the debate, 55% support this motion. That is up 18%. 37% are against. That is up only 7%. The undecided went down by 23, 25% to 8%. That means the motion has carried. The side arguing the UN should admit Palestine as a full member state has won this debate. Our congratulations to them. Thank you from me, John Donvan, and Intelligence Squared U.S. We'll see you next time. This is John Donvan again, and a slight number typo to correct here. I just said the 34% of the audience supported the motion before the debate. The correct number was 37%. The outcome stays the same. This Intelligence Squared U.S. debate was held at New York University's Skirball Center for the Performing Arts. Robert Rosencrantz is chairman. Dinah Wolf is the executive producer. Maureen McMurray and Rob Christensen are the radio producers. Damon Whittemore is the audio engineer. Chris Kamakawa is our researcher. And I'm your host, John Donvan. For more information or to purchase tickets to future events, visit www.iq2us.org. To hear the full unedited version or to sign up for the Intelligence Squared podcast, visit npr.org slash intelligence squared. Intelligence Squared is distributed by NPR.